Going to go to our Auburn Bank phone line now. I'm pleased to be joined by Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Had Ferg in the office last week for about an hour and a half or so. Played some NBA War and, and had a good time. Ferg, uh, we're going to have NBA War on the show again today. Unfortunately, obviously with you on the phone lines, not able to participate. But you kept your perfect record alive last week. Yeah, who's going up against? Who's going up for it today? Oh. Uh, so I think today we're going to do Austin versus Brooks with Cam judging. Ferg right. is my first right. time. I need advice. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it just just go with your gut. Don't overthink it. Um, but uh, yeah, also play to the judge as much as you can. Okay. Uh, if you know, if you know, all hot you know, players. you can. No. Yeah. If you know, if you know something that can make him tick, you just you just, you just play to that. But yeah, no, I. I I'm glad. To, I'm glad to hear somebody else is going to get to win this week since I'm not in there. <laughs> Ferg, we got more college football news to talk about with you this week as uh, uh, ever-changing here with NIL. We'll start with that, and then we'll get into some scheduling stuff, which we've heard from you before on your preferred scheduling model. But we'll, we'll start NIL-related uh, on the latest and, and just everything with trying to, I guess, get boosters out of this. Where, where do you see this headed? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, a way for the NCAA after the fact to put up some guardrails, trying to at least. Um, I, I don't know how great they're going to be at retroactive punishments but it's basically just going to draw a line in the sand and just say hey moving forward you can't be real egregious in the play for the pay for play kind of stuff very transparent very open about it um so the thing about it is is just you know collectives are going to be the big buzzword and my thing is with the collective is like all right if you if you're a collective and you're saying we're going to connect our players, our schools' players, with uh, you know businesses, um, and be kind of that go-between, uh, be that bridge. That's 100 percent okay. That's 100 percent fine. Um, it can get a little shady at times, but like that makes sense. If you're doing these things where it's like, hey, we just pulled a bunch of money together uh, for some random folks, and we're going to give it to a player. That I think moving forward is going to get cracked down on a lot more than you know necessarily you know making this like NIL is going away or anything like that. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how effective the NCAA is going to be able to be you know guarding any of this. Um, but I think it was just one of those things where it's like, all right, we got to do something because you know there were there were schools that were getting to benefit from some very blatant and very transparent you know pay for play schemes, and that's that's not what this was intended for in the first place. Well, and for you mentioned that, I think what's curious about it, and you mentioned it as well, is the retroactive punishment that they allege. Uh, I, I kind of feel like it's a, a, a believe it when I see it type of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. But in theory, you would maybe think of it this way, and a small silver lining, and again, this is operating under the presumption that, that they will actually go and punish schools. Maybe it was a good thing that Auburn didn't have uh, necessarily uh, a robust recruiting class with with all these big names coming in in year one because a, a school, I won't name them by name, but a school in Texas with a lot of boosters, with a lot of oil money uh, that had a all-time class would certainly catch a lot more of eyebrows and a lot more potential ire from the NCAA as someone that was, say, having kind of an uncharacteristic season uh, of not being as good in the recruiting rankings. 
Yeah, and I think Auburn's Auburn's whole approach to NIL from the very beginning, and this is not just football, this is basketball and other sports as well, has been let's not be flashy about it, right? You know, we want to make sure our players can have access and good information and, and, and do everything above board when it comes to NIL. Um, and, and you want guys to get your value. I mean, I think, say for example, I mean, like Bodex last year made a good bit of money in NIL. But it was kind of the old-fashioned way, right? It's just, you know, the hey, this is just going to be us connecting with, you know, companies and having an agent and all that to, to set up deals. I think Auburn has, you know, they have their own collective, but this is not one of those, like, super, you know, out there saying, like, we're, we're getting all these people to come in and we're going we're gonna to give this much money to a player. Um, so I think it's, it, it definitely has benefited Auburn that they haven't been as flashy with their NIL. I think NIL is still important, and I think it's something that um, people you know, at Auburn and, and coaches and administrators and all that know the importance of, but they don't want to go over the top just in case, like you said, something like this were to happen. Justin, we, we see some reports pivoting away from uh, NIL. We're seeing some reports that the uh, the ACC could be moving to a new uh, schedule rotation in their football, which would include eliminating divisions and uh, moving to a, uh, I think our fr- friend Brendan Marcello from 247 reported three permanent rivals and five rotating opponents. What is your thoughts on this kind of uh, schedule movement from the ACC, and do you think it could work with the SEC going forward, especially with the addition of uh, Texas and Oklahoma down the road a little bit? Yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, I have been a big proponent of the pod system. Uh, and, and some people do it a couple of ways, right? There's one that everybody says, and I think this is what what made the rounds last year, is like, okay, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt are in their own division. And then, well, that's just doing divisions in a, you know in another way. What, what I like, and it's been, I mean, this has been around for a while. First time I saw it really in depth was at SB Nation. Oh, it's probably been about a decade ago at this point. Where is kind of like what I think the ACC is going to do is, hey, yeah, have three permanent rivals that you play, and then everybody else you rotate. Um, and so not everybody has to have the same, you know, like if, if Auburn plays Alabama, if Auburn decides to keep Alabama and Georgia and uh, say like an Ole Miss or Mississippi State, one of the border schools as a permanent rival, um, that doesn't mean those other teams have to play the same ones as well, right? So, you know, protect as many rivalries as you can then rotate everybody else. And that's the best way to do it because in that in that vein, what you're doing is you're, you're keeping your rivalries. And um, secondly, every player will get to have played at every uh, road venue in the SEC within a four-year career. Um, you know, there would be no more waiting a decade plus to go back to Tennessee or, you know, that's to Florida again or, you know, places like that. It would be, hey, everybody gets to play everybody within two years, and then everybody gets to play at everybody within four years. That's the most balanced way to go about it. So hopefully that system works. Um, I would love that to just kind of become the norm because divisions, you know, there's no real way to divide um, divisions. And then when you talk about having like the the four-team subdivisions, so to speak, um, there's no real way to kind of divide it fairly. So in that case, just open it up and, and protect what's most important to you, which is the rivalries and then rotate everything else. Uh, and when Texas and Oklahoma come into the league in the near future, it works out that way as well. SEC could expand to a nine-game conference schedule. You play three permanent ones, you play six one year, and then you play the other six the next year. You keep it rotating that way. It would be the easiest thing to do. In that same vein, Ferg, we've been discussing and debating on, on how divisions get abolished, and then you have conference championships. 
Well, are those two the are the top two in the conference championships the best records, or would you eliminate conference championships altogether and, and name your conference champion based on best record? What would you do in that sense? And then when Texas and Oklahoma come, Brooks brought up the idea of possibly you get rid of that conference championship game, but then you have another regular season game to fit all your uh, in-conference games as well as your Power 5 conference games. It's getting mumble-jumbled in here, but what, w- what would you say about you know choosing your conference champion participants or having one at all? Yeah, I, I think having a championship game, look, it makes a ton of money. People yeah. are not going to go away from that. It makes too much money for it to happen, uh, for it not to happen. I feel like you get the two best records. You can do all the tiebreakers you need to to get those two spots, but I mean, like, I think that's the best way to go about it. If it's a rematch, then so be it. I mean, that's not out of the ordinary. I mean, the Big 12, the Big 12 gets so much money from having a championship game that even though right now in their current state they play a true round robin, they are guaranteed a rematch in their conference title game, yet they still do it because they see value in it. I don't think you're going to go away from that. Um, to, to your other point, it's an interesting thing where it's like there's been talks of, of, of a plus one system uh, in the sport. And what it would basically do is this. Um, you know, you, you play your pods, you play your, you know, your, your conference schedule. And then on conference championship weekend, the top two teams uh, play each other. And then three and four play each other. And then five and six and then so on. And it goes down the line. So everybody gets one more game. Everybody gets one more data point. Uh, and it, you know, has some stakes. You know, it can, it can help out, um, you know, a team trying to make it to the playoff. It can, you know, boost somebody's chances at a New Year's Six Bowl or something like that. Um, so that plus one system is has also been talked about and it's a really really interesting one um but you know it's going to be it's going to come down to just how much conferences uh, want to add another game uh to their schedule at that point but i think it would be a whole lot of fun talking to justin ferguson of the auburn observer six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year to join the auburn observer and see what uh, justin has going on there which is a lot of great stuff uh Fer, i want to ask you a couple other miscellaneous things before we let you go uh one still in the world of football 10 years 375 million dollars for tom brady to be a color commentator the lead color commentator for fox sports once he retires what did you think when you saw that well, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. I know some people are like, wow, that's kind of crazy. You make more money, uh, you know, being a talking head instead of playing, being a football player. And to me, that's not that big of a, uh, big of a surprise because, one, he is the most successful, you know, winningest, uh, you know, quarterback of all time. So he's got, you know, this, 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 uh, this spot in the sport that is unparalleled. You can't really kind of compare it to anybody else. Um, and the other thing is, is that, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots, when they had him under contract, and, you know, in the case of the Bucks, still have him under contract, there's a salary cap they got to work with. Fox doesn't have a salary cap. They're, they are going to pay however much money it needs to make to make sure that he doesn't go to ESPN, that he doesn't get picked off by CBS or, you know, Amazon or whatever is going to look like moving forward. So, um, you know, that's the thing about professional sports and just sports in general. We're seeing it in college football and college basketball. This is, this is a TV um, enterprise, right? The TV is where all the money is being generated. It's where all the money is coming in, and that's where it's all going as well. So it doesn't surprise me that one of the biggest, um, you know, not just biggest media companies in the world, but one of the biggest companies, period, in the world has that kind of change they can throw at a guy like Tom Brady. And, of course, I mean, like like I said, you know, there, there's no one else you can really kind of compare it to. You saw how good Tony Romo was and how important he was and how big of a star he became in the booth. 
that's Tony Romo. This is Tom Brady. It's just a completely different, you know, different stratosphere of, of terms of like, you know, recognizability. And I think just branding would be huge for them. And now I'll, I'll head to a different stratosphere for this last question. Uh, Ferg, pitch me on everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, no, it is a really fun movie. Um, really out there as a concept, um, but a whole lot of fun. I'll say this. If you watch the Doctor Strange movie, which I did this past weekend, uh, and like the kind of concept of like the multiple universes and like going back and forth between them and what that looks like, uh, and just those kind of concepts, you'll love this movie because it is very, it's a very fresh idea. It's a very original idea. There's some really good action in it. Um, there's, it, it's, it's a lot more comedic than I thought it would be. Uh, it is more kind of an action comedy than anything else. Um, but there is a main story at the heart of it, um, that, uh, you know, packs some, packs some emotional punches as well. Uh, so it's a really phenomenal movie. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. Everybody in it kind of goes, you know, swings for the fences, um, with their performances. And, uh, yeah, check it out. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Justin Ferguson joining us today of the Auburn Observer. And, Ferg, uh, what does the Observer you and Painter got going on here in the next couple of weeks? Well, I'm glad I brought up the, uh, the multiverse because that was the theme of our podcast today. <laughs> uh, Painter and I went through a bunch of scenarios in football and basketball for Auburn and asked kind of what if. What if things were different? What if things were slightly different? What, if, what happens on that universe then? Um, so you can check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you know, I'll give you the first one we tackle is what happens if Auburn hires Kirby Smart instead of Gus Malzahn in 2013? What does that look like uh, moving forward? So there's a ton of stuff with that uh, that we go off of that. So you can listen to that uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We've got newsletters uh, throughout the week. I did a breakdown of Auburn's football roster, where they're at, where they need to go uh, in terms of the portal, in terms of the 2023 recruiting class. You can read that. Uh, tomorrow I'll have a newsletter out about Wesley Steiner, uh, one of the player profile kind of deep dives that I've been wanting to do uh, for football. Um, we'll do that one. And then we'll be on Julian Phillips' watch for his commitment later in the week, see if anything comes of that. we got a special guest for the premium podcast later in the week. So a lot of stuff going on at the Observer. And, and like Ryan said earlier, $6 a month or $6 a year to sign up. Uh, it's all at auburnobserver.com. Justin, we appreciate the time as always, man. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. I'll be good.